Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming you all to another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. This is episode 140. And again, I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me for about an hour or so this week. Hopefully everyone is safe. I'm in Maryland. The governor just shut every damn thing down, but it's all good, baby, because you know what? There has been so much fun, so much creativity, so much, you know, imagination that's been popping off on all different social media platforms that we can discuss. No sports, no problem. And of course, this week, I'm going to be joined by my guy, Brian H. Waters. Whether you're a wrestling fan or not, whether you once loved wrestling like I did, or maybe you've been a lifelong WWF fan or whatever the case may be, everybody knows WrestleMania is coming up and we're going to talk about the uh, granddaddy of them all, if you, if you will, you know what I'm saying, this weekend, and a super dope documentary that I kind of just stumbled upon. So if you're looking for kind of um, interesting, bingeable shows, we, we got you on the wrestling front. We got you, you know what I'm saying? So it's a really, really fun conversation Brian and I had, so you're going to want to make sure you check that out in the third quarter. Plus, Slim, it's time we have an honest discussion about the weekend. I've been holding off. You know, I've been feeling this way for a long, long time. House of Balloons. I've been feeling this way since then. You understand? But now it's time that we we need to cut the bullshit, bro. We're going to have a real honest discussion about the weekend. Some of y'all's favorite R&B singer. All of that is so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. Make no mistake, I am not the biggest Cam Newton fan. And in fact, you could argue that over the course of his career, Cam, Cam Newton has kind of touched underappreciated and then overappreciated in the span of like a few seasons. Cam Newton is such a unique talent and his position in the NFL world is so, so polarizing. I don't, I don't even know how you would, I don't even know how you would really properly place Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Like he had a phenomenal, what was it? 2015 and Cam was his ability in the short yardage was something that the Panthers, I felt like they never truly took advantage of. You know, I don't like doing the lazy thing where you, or you like people in the NBA, they only compare, compare light-skinned guys to light-skinned guys, European guys to European. You know what I'm saying? So I really try my best not to compare black quarterbacks to one another because it, it just feels lazy. And I'm not speaking about their talent and how they played, but I think that there are a lot of parallels between Cam Newton and God bless the day, Steve McNair. Like physically, the guys had cannons. And it, it always felt as if their head coaches never fully appreciated them as quarterbacks, as a player who could throw the ball until it was too late. And then both guys have Super Bowl, or I'm sorry, Super Bowl appearances and an MVP. And early in their career, where we're seeing now quarterbacks go long into their 30s, sometimes in their 40s, their teams almost at the first sign of an exit, they move on. Now, injuries have a lot to do with it. You know, McNair, he was straddled by injuries, and then they drafted Vince Young, 
and then that's when they kind of just shut the door. The Titans shut the door on 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 McNair. And I always thought that that was a little bit nasty because I remember the years when Eddie George was in his prime and Steve and, and Jeff Fisher, excuse me. He never really properly understood like, yo, McNair is a beast. Like let him throw and you can kind of lessen the load on Eddie George. But it wasn't until Eddie George literally had nothing left in the tank until Fisher was like, oh, our quarterback is actually pretty good. Similarly, in Carolina, they just said forget whoever their running back was. I mean, they, they had a nice little two-headed monster with running. But we all knew in short yardage situations, in the goal line situations, Cam was going to run the ball. And the thing about Cam, the thing that is never truly appreciated, I feel, is that Cam always got it. It was like fourth and inches, Cam would get it. Fourth and one at the goal line. Fourth and goal. Cam would get it. Like, Cam was a phenomenal short yardage player, not just because of his size and his ability to run, but then also the play action pass. But it's just a, it's kind of unfortunate when you think about like the moment he finally gets a dynamic running back receiving option out of the backfield to kind of help carry the load. That's when Cam's body just fell apart. I mean, think about some of the just the crazy things that Cam, in terms of injuries, he had to deal with, right? He had a car accident. There was the crazy foot thing, which has pretty much cost him last year and a half of his career. And now we're looking at Cam Newton, who's, I want to say, is 30, 31, who should be in the prime of his career. We're now questioning, yo, how much longer does he have? Like, I don't know if he goes to Baltimore and has a second act the way Steve McNair did, or if he goes on to be, you know, one of these these quarterbacks who now they're just hanging on. They're just trying desperately. Is he a Jay Cutler, right? Is he a Donovan McNabb? Is he one of these guys who, once he moves, a Jake Plummer, once he moves on, it's pretty much over? Can he be a McNair, a Carson Palmer, and salvage, you know, he should have another eight to seven to eight years left of, like, high-quality play. But the thing is, we don't know if the injuries will allow him to even come back onto the field. And it's pretty much doubtful at this time to even imagine the injuries allowing him to play the way he did in his prime. But it is still confusing that the Panthers are so quick to move on from him, especially for someone like Teddy Bridgewater. And no disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a fine, fine quarterback. And again, someone who also has dealt with injuries in his past. But let's not be, let's not kid ourselves. Like the ceiling, even if the ceiling has now been lowered due to injuries for Cam Newton, Cam Newton's ceiling is still significantly higher than Teddy Bridgewater. So if you're moving on from Cam Newton to draft the quarterback or because you already had a younger guy that you really, really liked, that's one thing. They moved on from Cam Newton to get Teddy Bridgewater. So unless they feel like Trevor, they're going in for the tank for Trevor sweepstakes, which Again, makes no sense because Teddy Bridgewater is not that bad of a quarterback to tank for the number one overall pick next year. So I don't even know what's going on in Carolina. Maybe they have some tricks up their sleeve. But when you look at Cam and you look at what he has meant for that organization, the success that he has had with that organization and the failures 
the failure to surround him with any type of top premier talent. He started his career with Steve Smith. His, his tenure in Carolina is over with Christian McCaffrey. In the span of however many years, what, seven years, there was Greg Olson. From an offensive standpoint, that that's it. That's all they really gave him from an elite standpoint. And that's a shame. But then you start looking at, okay, well, the Panthers were so anxious, so quick, so ready to move on to replace him with Teddy Bridgewater. And it just doesn't add up when we look at other quote-unquote franchise quarterbacks and how their organizations have kind of stood with them through thick and thin. And, of course, the first thing that comes to mind would be Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger has won two Super Bowls and has been to a third. So, yes, the Steelers should stick with Big Ben, and they deserve And Big Ben's career has been much greater than cams right but we go back to what have the what has the organization surrounded you with big ben throughout his entire career has had elite receivers and then when he was his skills started to diminish a little bit earlier he had Le'Veon bell and antonio brown you know and juju smith schuster as a number two. Think, think about that the steelers have surrounded big ben throughout his entire career with top tier talent And as he aged, the talent got better. Now, unfortunately for the Steelers, it all went to hell with Bell and Antonio Brown, but they still were able to replenish it with Connors. And again, like I said, uh, Smith-Schuster. That hasn't been the case in Carolina. So when you look at Big Ben, who's in his late 30s now and is coming off of a significant shoulder injury, the same questions that exists with Cam in terms of his future due to injuries, they still exist with Ben as well. But the Steelers, they doubled down on their franchise quarterback. They they had opportunities to kind of go look elsewhere. Again, Teddy Bridgewater could have been signed in Pittsburgh, but the point is Big Ben at his peak is much greater than Teddy Bridgewater. And the Steelers were like, no, we are going to still ride with our guy. Carolina didn't do anything close to that. Let's also look at the um, Indianapolis Colts. And this is probably a more fair comparison because, again, Cam nor Andrew Luck has had the career that Ben Roethlisberger has had. I think that's fair to say. So when you look at Luck and Cam, the injuries are similar. Their ages are similar. However, Cam has had more team and personal success than Andrew Luck. I don't even think that could be called into question. The coach stood by Andrew Luck. Stood by him. Traded for Jacoby Percet. But then Andrew Luck came back, had a phenomenal year two years ago. And then, like, everybody was like, yo, next last year, Andrew Luck was supposed to come back. And everybody was thinking that the Colts were going to be Super Bowl contenders. And then Luck was like, nah, I'm done. And even when he retired, the organization was like, yo. Give it some time because we'll still have the door. We'll still welcome you with open arms. Again, Andrew Luck has had significant injuries as well. But look at how they've surrounded him. Jacoby Brissett, they traded for him. And then they were like, you know, and he did a fine job as the number two. And then they were still like, yo, because they should. 
ready to hand the keys at a moment's notice to Andrew Luck, which is absolutely the right thing. Carolina hasn't shown that. They haven't shown that type of flexibility, that type of understanding, that type of appreciation to a franchise quarterback. And again, I'm not a Cam Newton sycophant. I, I for the last five years, have felt Cam Newton has been overrated. But he's still better than Teddy Bridgewater. And he's still better than all of these other quarterbacks who the whispers out of Carolina has been, yeah, man, he's going to be the next one to replace Cam because Cam can't stay healthy. Well, maybe Cam can't stay healthy because you haven't surrounded him with anything. You know, Andrew Luck for a significant period of time didn't really have any weapons. He kept on getting beat up. He sat out a few years. And then the Colts were like, yo, we're wasting away a franchise quarterback. So in those seasons where Andrew Luck was in and out of the rock, the lineup and hurt, they drafted talent. They drafted at the offensive line. They built up that line. They built, they gave him a running game. They gave him receivers. You already had, obviously, T.Y. Elton, but they gave him something else. And now, you know, the Colts, they feel as if Phillip Rivers of all quarterbacks, someone who is completely washed, that he of all quarterbacks can be the missing piece to take them to, again, championship contention. Consider that and then look at what Carolina is doing. You feel me? So even someone who is not the biggest Cam Newton fan can look around and be like, damn, the Panthers truly mismanaged an eight to nine year run of one of the most physically gifted players and the greatest Panther, arguably, of all time. And they and this is how they treat him. Whew. NFL boys, it's a, it's an ugly business. It's nasty out there, but hopefully for you Panthers fans, it works out. Maybe it's tank for Trevor. I have no idea what the vision is for this organization, but hopefully for your sake, whatever the ultimate plan is, it comes to fruition. Because right now, y'all Bama's looking crazy. Let me know what you guys think, though. You a big Cam Newton fan? Do you think the Panthers have handled him? The right way have handled him the way any other organization should handle a franchise quarterback i want to hear what you guys think and let me know where do you think cam newton actually ends up i want to hear all of that talk hit me up on email at quarterly at gmail.com or tweet at me at quarterly show that's q u a r t e r l e e show all right man so we're going to step into the entertainment world specifically music for our second topic this week. Second quarter. For years now, I've always thought of myself as someone who, I don't know, maybe had the contrarian take on the weekend. You know, he came in. Toronto was popping at the time. And, you know, House of Balloons, no disrespect, because like, he had some joints on there. I'm not even going to lie. So, you know, when I, when I heard it, and I was like, okay, this is cool. I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't feel like everybody else felt when they heard that joint, right? Because people were just falling over themselves. Oh my gosh, this is like the most amazing music ever. This is this new guy. You got to check him out. Boom, 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 boom. And I got it. You know what I'm saying? It was different. It was super different. And then Take Care happened. Drake roughed a whole rack of them songs from him. And, you know, before you knew it, a star was born. And again, you know, you like it, I love it. You understand? Everything doesn't have to necessarily re- 
I don't have to feel everything that becomes popular. Certain things like a lot of the artists, a lot of the rappers, particularly that come out now, I ain't really checking for them, right? But I could tell that they connect with a large number of people. So boom, you know, I'm not a hater. Go at it. But I keep on hearing all these people just sing the praises of the weekend and how the weekend is this and the weekend is that. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, this is what we're doing. I don't know when we came to the point. Actually, you know what? Before I come, before I even hit my real biggest issue with the weekend, let me have a quick aside real quick. It doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't actually have anything to do with the weekend, but there are some parallels because Kyrie Irving, Slim, it's time you see party. Dog, like, yo, I don't know how many times Buddy has to talk slick about you. Don't ever call me number two. I know he don't even, he don't, Kyrie don't even wear number two anymore. Buddy's singing, I see number two, your man now. I'm cool being number two now. Don't you ever call me by my number if I'm number two. Don't ever call me that. Instead, that's two teams ago, buddy. That's Party has talked way too slick about Kyrie for years now. Slim, you Kyrie Irving. Yeah, understand what I'm saying? Like, in comparison, Party should never say nothing slick to you. And I'm not saying you got to fight him. I'm not saying you have to fight, buddy. But don't ever, Slim. Number two now? Oh, my God. I heard that joint this week, and I was like, Slim. <laughs> it is a wrap. You don't have to put hands on him, but you got to check, buddy. Because he think you sweet. He think it's a walk in the park for you. First, it was shenanigans. You understand? Now, I see number two is your man now. Oh, my God. That is... Don't you ever call me number two. All right, so that was just a quick aside. Because, again, that has nothing to do with the weekend, but, you know party in the weekend they got their little thing but back to the weekend i am coming from an era where r&b singers could sing <laughs> you know what i'm saying like when when did we go to a point where r&b singers are singing about killing themselves and popping pills and i just like yo i don't know the game may have passed me by, but if that's the case, I want no parts of the game. Shout out to Marla Daniels. You feel me? I'm not messing with y'all Bama's Joe. And again, and this is no disrespect to the brother. Because he's so influential. There's a bunch of baby weekends out here now. You understand? There are a bunch of three-day weekends. There are a bunch of, you know what I'm saying? There are a bunch of Memorial Day holidays out here singing like he can't sing. We, we we can't get past I can't at least get past the point I'm not trying to listen to any singer who cannot sing when did, when did that become like a criteria to become one of the best and most influential singers in the world and there are a bunch of bombers out here who are like super popular Frank Ocean shout out to you but he can't sing y'all know he can't sing if you seen Frank Ocean perform live, come on, bro. And I get it. He has some dope songs. Frank Ocean has some dope songs. Even more dope, in my opinion, than The Weeknd. But again, I can't check for no R&B singer. If you can't sing, you better be on some other stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. 
You know, when I think of current day R&B singers, man, I'm thinking of Miguel, number one. Because Miguel, the boy can sing. He don't need to be... You don't need to be doing anything else. He don't need to auto-tune. He don't need to be talking about popping. He don't need to do none of that. Because he can sing. You feel me? Like, Raphael Sadiq. I still love Raphael. He can sing. Jack Freeman. Sir. Lucky Day. Lucky Day and Sir's album, along with Snow. They just came out a year ago. I'm still rocking in them joints because they can sing. And I'm just talking about the, the men R&B singers right now, okay? I just threw Snow out there because she had one of the better albums last year as well. Y'all feel me, right? I don't need, like, you know, come on, Joe. What are we doing? We got all these bammers out here barely hanging on to a note. And they throw the auto-tune on and they whispering and they doing all this other stuff. And I'm like, dog, can you sing? Because if you can't, I don't need to be rocking for you. Like, you can't be on some, oh, man, he's the he's the best singer of this gen. No, no, none of these bombers are, none. You know, Usher, he just forfeited his title. Chris, <laughs> Chris should have it. I don't know if Chris even wants to even entertain any type of thing like this. So you got a bunch of dudes out here who is like, yo, it should be Usher and Chris in terms of like the top R&B singers out here right now. But for whatever reason, for different reasons for both of them, they have just gone their own way. And now there's like this huge opening. I mean, Daniel Caesar is another guy who can sing. Daniel Caesar can sing. There are a lot of great R&B singers out there. But the ones that y'all just keep on pushing to the top, I'm like, bro, have y'all heard them perform? Like, what are we doing? And not even, it's just not even about singing. What are you talking about? I don't need to hear the weekend sing more depressed songs, Slim. Maybe it's because I never, I never had a pill addiction. I've never had a relationship that made me want to even think about it. Like, what's going on with y'all mamas, Joe? To where the weekend is the one people are looking for. And then he just dropped his new album last week. And I finally feel we're at a point where, like, we can have an honest conversation. Where I don't feel like a contrarian. Because I don't like to just always stand out there on the island looking around like, yo, I'm the only one here. Because I, I know some of y'all Bamas feel me on this. I can't be the only one who's like, how is this Bama? How is it him? And again, I'm sounding like hate. I'm putting a little extra sauce on this joint because it's still an entertaining podcast. I got no problem with The weekend. I really don't. It's not really my style of music, not my type of music. But when y'all go super far and saying that this dude is like, again, we got a bunch of three-day weekends out here, a bunch of, a bunch of his sons out here. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, how is this the wave? It's so funny, man, because we're in a day and age now where like the producers are winning they are setting the the stage right i don't know if you all have been um as uh connected as i am or paying attention to uh these kind of ig live battles i've enjoyed them immensely like this past week was so entertaining swiss versus timberland was one of the better you know beat battles i've ever seen and for obvious reasons we got two living legends and then it was you know, um, on Saturday, it was Sean Garrett 
versus the dream. The dream is a producer as well, but there was like kind of a, a, a writer battle. And it was so funny, man, because ultimately what it became, what it came down to was what song was the best? Not necessarily who was writing the best or whose lyrics were the best. It was just what song did you like the most? And like all these battles that keep on happening on IG Live just basically go down to it's not even about who's singing unless it's like Beyonce, right? Because she got her stance. But like other, other artists, it's not about their performance. It's not about who sings the best. It's not about what lyrics are the best. It's just about the music. Like sonically, what song makes you want to dance? So what song do you connect with the most? And that's kind of what has happened with almost all of the music that is popular today. It's like, yo, is the beat good? Is Do you have a good hook? Because no one is listening to what these bammers are saying. And when it comes to R&B, you can produce Slim. I could get in the booth. And if you have a great producer and a great engineer, you can make me sound like motherfucking Maxwell. You understand? I mean, think about think about the, the dudes we grew up on, man. Teddy Pendergrass, man, singing. I'm talking about singing. Al Green, Ronald Isley, singing. D'Angelo. And now we go to The Weeknd? What <laughs> the fuck? Man, you better get your ass up on it. All right, y'all. Man, y'all heard the yard horn. Again, Kyrie, nothing to do with The Weeknd. You got to step the party, bro. Like, it's getting way out of hand. <laughs> you understand? You a professional athlete, and this bomber from Toronto just keeps on just trashing your name. What? Number two. Man, you better sit your ass down. All right, man. Anyway, first half is in the books. Get some housekeeping items to get to. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Also, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, man, Anchor, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out my podcast show. Download, subscribe, and then rate and review. You can leave five stars if you like, but most importantly, man, leave me a little sentence, a little blurb. Let me, let the world, let your friends know why you listen to and why you love the Quarterly Report podcast. Those things are super dope, super important. So if you could, go ahead, man, write your boy a sentence. Hyping up, telling the world about my show. All right, time for halftime this week. And this week, we are going to highlight some of the unbelievably stupid comments that, or entertaining comments that have ravaged through our lives over recent days. Now, there are always crazy takes that are made throughout the three years of me doing this podcast. I mean, there are countless number of just unbelievably odd and strange takes that people have said however during the global pandemic known as COVID-19 it has essentially been Barry Bonds post steroids where almost every hour someone of some notoriety is hitting home runs in the in the world of in the realm of ridiculous comments oftentimes these are by these comments are made by people that you may suspect but now more than ever people who you would deem respectable people that you would you would deem people credible are talking straight out of the ass so what better time than to dust off a segment that i like on this show called rappers athletes politicians 
Rappers, athletes, politicians. Rappers, athletes, politicians. Rappers, athletes, politicians. Welcome to the gang show called Rappers, Athletes, and Politicians. The rules are very simple. I read a quote, and you at home let me know if the quote was said by a rapper, an athlete, or a politician. Got it? Good. First round. Who said, quote, listen up dipshits, you need to realize that this is a serious ordeal. In fact, it's a big fucking deal. Stay at home. If you guessed politician, you'd be correct. This is Mayor Gabe Brown from Boone County in a long but spirited Facebook post in which he told his constituents to make sure they stay at home and respect the danger of the coronavirus. But I guess when you're dealing with a global pandemic, pleasantries are thrown out the window. Okay, time for the final round. Who said, quote, cover up your face, matter of fact. Don't cough on anybody, don't breathe on anybody. You guessed it, that was a rapper. Rapper Jim Jones, matter of fact, on an Instagram live story he posted to his account. Take a listen. Cover up your face, matter of fact. Don't cough on nobody, don't breathe on nobody. Don't move too much. Somebody explain to me what the really fuck is going on inside this motherfucking world. Huh? Shit too much for me, man. I can't take it no more. Can't get fresh. And this has been another episode of... Rappers, athletes, politicians. Rappers, athletes, politicians. Rappers, athletes, politicians. Yo, shout out to Jim Jones, young. His little weatherman reports he does on Instagram is hilarious, yo. And the funny thing about those two pieces, those are legit quotes. Obviously, you could hear Jimmy. But that was the first um, The first quote was an actual mayor. I am lost track of where he's from. I want to say it's a, a city in Kentucky. But um, that was a legit quote from a mayor. And he was like cursing bombers out again. Uh, go search his name. is Gabe, Mayor Gabe. Uh, I don't have his name on me right now. But it's pretty funny. And, uh, you know, I guess there's probably a, a longer commentary that we can have about politicians specifically in this day and age, but I'm not going to do that right now. Um, but that was halftime. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. The first half is out of the way. We've made our adjustments. We know what we need to do to finish up strong. So without further ado, we're going to start the second half rolling as many of the sports world while looking for something to keep them busy. Many are now eyeing not one, but a two-day WrestleMania event this weekend. So who better to talk about wrestling than one of the hosts of the Wrestling Realm duo, Brian H. Waters. All right, y'all, man. I'm super excited about my next guest. You know, I've talked about it on the past on the show that I grew up, like, Virginia boy, loving wrestling. And WrestleMania is next weekend right around the corner. So who better to talk about the WWE and the potential hurdles for WrestleMania than Brian H. Waters, man. A lot, of, a lot of you guys already know him. If you are a wrestling head, man, I couldn't recommend checking him out even more. Brian, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Man, I appreciate it. It's definitely an honor to be on here. Hey, man, nah, the honor's all mine, man. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. He's at Brian H. Waters. He's the host of Breaking It Down with Brian H. Waters and breaking through the glass ceilings and of course part of the wrestling realm as well so you know we get right to it brian um wrestlemania is next weekend and you know 
unlike, I guess, most other sporting entities, if you will, professional wrestling has been like the one athletic type of event that has still maintained some type of presence throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. But they've still been impacted as well. Mania is now going to be two days, and they're doing it in their performance uh, center in Orlando. No fans, obviously. Um, so I guess my first question to you is, what even what is your expectations for this year's WrestleMania event? Oh, man, it's so tough. Uh far as, you know, if we're recording this, word on the street is that WrestleMania has already been taped. Right. I expect it to be... A good show. What we're going to find out is which wrestlers can really keep a story going without that crowd. You look back at WrestleMania, you think about some of the iconic moments. You think about uh, Hogan and Rock. Before mm-hmm. the match started, the stare off. You mm-hmm. can't have that without an audience. Right, right. You think about when Daniel Bryan, the Yes Movement in WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, the crowd popped. You know what I mean? Right. You can't have that without an audience. Think right. about when The Undertaker streak ended at WrestleMania right. 30, and all of a sudden, the crowd got silent. So that's the thing that's sad, uh, mm-hmm. that we won't have that. But I understand the WWE are in a rock and a hard place because this sure. is WrestleMania. This is their biggest events, the Super Bowl. It's hard to keep a wrestling audience invested in the storyline. You look right. at sports, and while the NBA is on delay, we're still going to be invested in a Lakers-Clippers potential showdown. For sure, for sure. You know, we're still interested in a Celtics-Bucks um, showdown or a Joel Embiid-Giannis uh, showdown because yeah. – it's, it's kind of stable with wrestling is different because are we really going to care about Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar come June? Right, are we right. really going to care about Roman Reigns and Goldberg come August or whenever this could take place? So it's sad, but I understand why they kept things going. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Brian H. Waters, host of Breaking It Down with Brian H. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. He's at Brian H. Waters and he's a part of the wrestling realm. And, you know, again, that, you know, I, I grew up on wrestling and I haven't really been following it so much, you know, like anytime like The Rock comes on or, you know, Stone Cold makes an appearance, I'll check the timeline and, and I'll always go down like the rabbit holes of YouTube. But, you know, I'm not too familiar with a lot of the newer uh, performers, the newer wrestlers. So my question is, I mean, I look at things kind of like you have an opportunity like this. Everybody's going through this at the same time. And then there will be some people who take advantage of it. We see it on the IG lives, like all these DJs who are kind of making the most of their opportunity. I feel as if WrestleMania has a a chance, you know what I'm saying? Because so many people are just looking for something to do. And WrestleMania is such a huge brand. What performers um, and what wrestlers do you think can kind of take what has happened and kind of, propel themselves to a newer heights, you know, based upon their athletic ability, maybe their storyline, their creativity in the ring. Who would you say is best suited to kind of take this moment and kind of make a D-nice situation for themselves? So wrestling fans may get on me because a lot of times wrestling fans live in a bubble and they don't (laughs) realize that just because somebody is super over in the wrestling community doesn't mean they're over as crossover appeal. 
mm-hmm. a guy like AJ Styles. Right. AJ Styles will be facing The Undertaker. So mm-hmm. somebody like yourself, you know who The Undertaker is, and you know his relevance to WrestleMania. For he sure. had a 21 and 1. He was 21 and 1. Then he lost at, to Roman Reigns going in that match at 22 and 1. When he lost, you know, everybody thought, okay, the streak is over. That's it. Um I'm sorry, he was 23 and 2. He was 23 and 1. Uh, he lost, you know, somebody's going to correct me. Uh, but a guy like AJ Styles, who a lot of wrestling fans all over the world know exactly who he is. For sure. But he goes out there, he performs, he goes toe to toe with The Undertaker. Even in a loss, he'll still look good. And people are like, wait a minute, that guy's athletic and he's also entertaining. Mm-hmm. A guy like Drew McIntyre. You look at Drew McIntyre. He's challenging Brock Lesnar for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. When he challenges Lesnar, when you look at these two, they look at each other dead in the face. If you know nothing about wrestling, and a lot of times uh, wrestling fans, we look at it, we write the story, and we say, oh, this person's going to win because of the situation. But if you look at these guys, not knowing that Brock Lesnar is a UFC professional fighter, you would look and say, wait, I don't know who's going to win because they could take each other out. Drew's big. He looked like he could kick uh, Brock Lesnar's head off. Right. So this is an opportunity for him to elevate. Right. Then you look at um, a team like the Street Profits. They're an African-American tag team okay. who love to... And a lot of times people hate the stereotypes because they got the red cups and... They always ah. say we want all the smoke, but right. they're extremely funny and entertaining. So uh-huh. they're a team who could take advantage of this, who maybe hip hop artists may say, oh, I want to collaborate with them somehow, some way, shape or form. I feel you. Uh, Becky Lynch last year, she was in the main event. She's this is an opportunity for her. Charlotte Flair is taking on Rhea Ripley. People know who Charlotte Flair is because of her dad the name. Yeah. and the name. She would do her thing, but her opponent, Rhea Ripley, this is an opportunity for her because people go and watch, oh, just because they know Ric Flair. Like, I know for me, whenever there's a third generation, and I guess we're coming up on fourth generation now. Right. Whenever those superstars come, I'm automatically watching. Um, I'm pretty, You remember Flying Brian? Yes, sir. Yeah, so his son is wrestling on independent scene. Because his son is wrestling, and I was a huge Flying Brian fan, I watched his son, and I mean, when you, I'm telling you, look at he looked just like his really? dad, except um, I, I'm gonna use the word prettier. Like he has right. like, Brian, fine Brian looked a little rugged. You can see like he, but I'm talking almost the well, he wears a mullet, but you look at him, you're like, wow, that's his dad. Does he wear um, the Bengal the Bengal tights like his dad did back at WCW? Or does he have a different whole? You know, sort of has a different look. He's been trying out some things. Mm. He admitted like he was in a, on an interview, I think, with Stone Cold on Stone Cold's podcast, okay. and I think he admitted that he like he's still green, but he knew he was getting opportunities because of his Off last name. That yeah, yeah, so. But the best thing is he's been teaming up, and I haven't caught up with the story of uh, Major League Wrestling in a while, but he was teaming up with Harry Smith. I don't know if you know, the son of the late, great Davy Boy Smith, the okay. British Bulldog, okay. who was, if there was a Hall of Fame this year, he was getting inducted. Oh, Harry wow. Smith actually used to be in WWE, but he left, and he's like one of those people who's like strong as an ox mm-hmm. that... It would be nice if he was in WWE in the time because he's somebody that people would watch. 
in a situ- he would be one of those rising superstars. But putting Flying Brian with him is giving him an opportunity because he's, I mean, excuse me, um, Flying Brian Jr., Brian Pillman mm-hmm. Jr., an opportunity because he's still trying to kind of really figure out who he is as opposed to just being the son of Flying Brian. I got you. Once so again, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Brian H. Waters from the Wrestling Realm. Also, make sure you listen to his podcast, uh, Breaking It Down with Brian H. Uh, and Breaking Through the Glass Ceilings. And make sure you follow him on Twitter, Brian H. Waters. Um, so again, you know, Mania, you know, it's 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 an event all to itself. People who don't even like wrestling know about WrestleMania. It's on ESPN the last few weekends, which has been dope. I wish personally that they would have showed some of the classic joints again, kind of tugging back to my heyday. But for what, like wrestling, when you follow wrestling, it's like a rabbit hole. Like I said, man, I go on YouTube. I remember it was uh, uh, Stone Cold Day 316. So I'm like watching all these, you know, Stone Cold clips on YouTube, laughing, remembering like high school when I used to run up in stun bammers and everything like that. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I don't even know if it's just by happenstance, I go to Vice. And they have this television docu-series, I guess, called uh, The Dark Side of the Ring. And I had no, like, literally, two weeks ago, I had no idea that this program even existed. But, you know, we all doing this quarantine life. So, you know, you're looking for new and uh, just new and entertaining, maybe even informative pieces of television to kind of hold us down. This thing hit me like a ton of bricks, bro. I'm watching all the, I, I watched the, uh, almost the all first season, and then the newest, uh, the season debut just happened with uh, Chris Benoit. Um, so my question to you is kind of two prong. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the the series itself, and which episode stands out the most to you as someone who is like knee deep into the wrestling life and culture? Uh, I'm assuming a lot of this stuff you already knew, but what was the episode that kind of was like, yo, this joint was like, this was super good. Man, that's deep. Oh man, what? Ah, <laughs> uh, shoot, that's a good question. I would have to say, I'll start with. I'll, I'll kind of start and move backwards, right? Okay. So, because okay. it's it's quite a few of them. The Crystal right. Y episode, obviously. Now, if you you remember, you may remember they had a guy Matthew Randazzo the fifth. He wrote the book Ring of Hell. Okay. I read that book. I'm I'm looking right at it. I read it about nine years ago. It's a funny mm-hmm. story. My cousin had the book. I used to have a talk show with him called Russell Talk with Bear and B Dub. He said, Hey man, check this book out. It'll tear you up. Mm-hmm. And I read it. And what happened was I was reading it while I was working at Best Buy and I like put it down and lost it. Or somebody tried to, they thought it was uh, inventory. Right. So I'm right. like, oh man, I gotta replace the book, right? Ordered it, finished it, then I found another book. So I was like, well, I guess I got it. <laughs> read the book. It was deep. Right. And but seeing all of that dramatized, yo, it was like, wow. Now, for some strange reason, I'll say it didn't hit me as hard as a lot of my friends, even people who knew the story, because I guess, I don't know, some strange reason, I got my mind set on it. I was on YouTube, and like you said, during this quarantine life, I think I was editing one of my shows, and I was just going through YouTube, and somebody had broke down this video of... Chris Benoit's last like nine matches leading up to that day, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And they show like the way he moved in the ring, the hard hits, the the mentality. Wow. So it was like kind of like I was in Chris Benoit mode, as strange as that sounds. Yeah, I but yeah, watching that one was deep. The another one 
which was really good, but interesting because it was also one sided. Right. Was the Montreal Screwjob one? Yeah, yeah. I wish that they had Shawn Michaels, Shawn, but for sure, he, Shawn tends to Shawn has uh, turned his life around. So he he still discussed it, but. He admits he's a much different person. There's a video that you watch that much. Uh, if you get a chance, check out WWE rivalries, Shawn okay. Michaels and Bret Hart. They sit down with Jim Ross and they talk about it like back and forth. And some people feel that Shawn kind of like, because a lot, he says a lot, Hey, if I said that I was wrong, you know, right? because he's a different person. But um, so is that one. The one that really surprised me that I knew nothing about was the Gino Hernandez. Oh, no, because... I was just thinking that I knew nothing about. Like I, I, before we recorded, I'm like, you know, the Von Eric story was was tough just because you know, as a you know, I'm a father. I'm just thinking like, oh my god, that's just so tragic. You know what I'm saying? But I had heard of the Von Eric. I remember Texas Tornado. Yeah, so sir. you know what I mean. Um, but I had no record. I, I mean, I've heard of Bruiser Brody. I had heard of, obviously, I know about the Montreal School Job and obviously Macho Man. I never even heard of Gino Hernandez. And that story was nuts. Like, I'm like, yo, they could have did a whole other hour on that joint for real. I, I, yeah. I, you know, actually, I mean, before I get in that, because I Bruiser Brody, that was another one. I heard about it, seeing it dramatized, seeing, because I read, like, different things on that one. So that part... And it's a funny story to tie two of them together. Montreal, Night of the Montreal Screwjob. In Bret Hart's book, he says Davy Boy was adamant that Bret would not go in the back by himself after oh, like oh, the oh, whole oh. incident because the words was, we don't want a Bruiser Brody situation. That's nuts. Yeah, and, and uh, Bruce Pritchard, who was Brother Love, he does a podcast. Right. Where he breaks down like all that. He thought that he's like, oh man, nobody was in that mindset. But Brett just didn't know, even though, like, you know, like Sean, like the said is Vince told him anybody say anything, deny it, take the heat. Right. But the um, but like even that one, I knew a little bit about it. You know, I knew about the Bruiser Brody, the Macho Man, but the Gino Hernandez. I heard of the name. Oh, Devon Eric's real quick. Because right. uh, that one, there's a, a DVD called World Class Championship. It's like the Rise and Fall of World Class Championship Wrestling. I have that DVD. That's when I found out that story. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting with my grandmother one day watching, and it was like one of them E! News specials or something. Right, right, right. So, right. But the Gino Hernandez, I never even heard of Gino Hernandez, to be honest. With you. No, I heard the name, and you would hear about him, and then the guy... Um, I forgot. I can't think of his name, but the guy they say Stone Cold Steve Austin, Steve Austin patterned himself after. He was a real tough guy back uh -huh. in the day. So I heard these names, but when I saw that, and I'm going to be honest with you, man, I don't believe it. At the yeah. end, you know, when the oh, mother... Oh, when they hear the dude's voice, he's like... I don't... Him. Yes. I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Even some of my friends who kind of like are older and remember that, they was like, nah, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't think that man killed himself. Eh, nah, they. I mean, it, it, I mean, again, this is why I'm saying it could have been longer. They present all this evidence, so they doing like the, 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 the police report, and they saying the dude is overweight. When you see the pictures of him, he's in great physical condition. Mm -hmm. They saying the dude is Latino. They talk about the, you know all this other stuff, and I'm just like, yo, that. That's not true. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I mean, I feel for the mom, but like the story was touching on like drug dealers, and I was like, "Yo, 
this whole thing is nuts. And, and as someone who has ever been a fan of wrestling, you know, unfortunately, the 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 percentages of tragic endings are too high. But this story was just like, what? It was nuts. Yeah, it was so nuts, man. And, you know, like I said, I just, but this the Benoit one, even it's seeing it dramatized, seeing his son on there, and you yeah. saw he looks just like his father. Eyes and, and everything. And he recently did an interview, uh, and that was like the first time anybody had really heard from him. And he said that he wants to still, he wants to wrestle, he wants to wear the tights, he still wants to do Benoit's moves, he still wants the music, so he still talks to the band, Our Lady of Peace, who produ- who did um his music for WWE. And I'm like, I'm wow. sorry, I, I, that's yeah. going to be tough for a company yeah, especially sure. a national company to touch that. And right. I think if there was ever, if there was ever any consideration of letting Benoit in the Hall of Fame, it all went out of the window after this came out. And I, I said on my show, I was ignorant. I thought Kevin Sullivan had something to do with it. Nancy Benoit's ex-husband. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a really like a devil worshiper, but he plays the character so well yeah. to the point WrestleMania 29, they do a thing called WrestleCon. It's like Comic-Con, you know, all the wrestlers. And I saw him in the room. I would not go near him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. Like, I was never a Kevin Sullivan fan anyway, but like, right. nah, I think that, mm-mm, no yeah, sir. Yeah, no, I ain't messing with dude, man. I remember him <laughs> Taskmaster in the Tree yeah, of Woes. I'm like, bro, this dude is taking it way too far. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So you, and you probably remember the match they talked about yeah. when they was really stiffing each other. Right, right. That was it. Was it was it? Was, I mean, besides like the the sadness and like to me, that's like the overwhelming kind of takeaway from all of the ones that I've seen, with the exception of the screw job. Right, that one wasn't sad. You know, it was just kind of like such a huge moment. But all the other ones, like the biggest takeaway I've I've took it was, man, this stuff is so sad. But once you get past that, it's so informative. And like you said earlier, man, they have all of the subjects that you would want to see most mostly right you know they're, they're talking to bischoff they're talking to jim Cornette. uh they're talking to tony atlas they're talking to uh the, the butcher they're talking to all these people who can provide their own kind of perspective on whatever event that they're talking it it, it truly is if you are a wrestling fan at any point in your life man like i couldn't recommend it more especially during this time you know what i'm saying when people are looking for stuff to do yeah it, it's and it's like man like earlier, you talked about like during this time at WrestleMania, and I was saying the same thing. Why wouldn't they show classic WrestleManias? But I think what like WWE and ESPN's partnership was, let's show some of the more recent ones. That way, we can get new, you know, some of these sports fans invested right. to tune in. Because if like um, on the Sunday they aired the one with Roman Reigns right, and right. Triple H. So it's like, all right, well, Roman Reigns is scheduled to go against Goldberg, but you see him wrestling before. Now you're going, oh, I like that. You have an idea. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, but man, it, it, like the Dark Side of the Ring is definitely one of those uh, series that I remember like when it was like the season was over. It's like, oh man, come on. Like you want more of it. Yeah, man. I, I can't wait, man. This uh, By the time you guys hear it, I think, what, Tuesday, New Jack, that's the, the newest episode. And it's, if you were ever ECW fan, uh, yeah, that's just going to be nuts. I can only imagine where that, that, that you're going to take that one. Yeah, because you knew. <laughs> Jack play around. I don't know if you had a chance to like go on YouTube and see some of his shoot interviews. Nah, but 
oh man, he doesn't hold back at all. And um, it's gonna be a lot of people after this one that's gonna be scared. Slim, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Once again, guys, this has been Brian H. Waters, man. I've enjoyed this conversation so much, man. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Really dope follow, man. Talks not just wrestling, but talks all sports entertainment as well. He's at Brian H. Waters. He's the host of Breaking It Down with Brian H. And Breaking Through the Glass Ceilings. Make sure you download and subscribe to all of those podcasts. Brian, man, thank you for taking time out of your week and joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It's definitely an honor. Shout out again to Brian H. Waters, man. You know, when doing interviews on this show, many times the people that I have come on are people that I've worked with in the past or maybe even currently work with or people that I have a, uh, a, a legit relationship with, people that I'm cool with. You know what I mean? People who, you know, during the holidays, we talk to each other. Like throughout this kind of pandemic, we check on each other. Um Brian and I have never communicated. We had never met. We had never never even spoke before. And that's just a, kind of a testament to this brother, man. He just came on just off the strength. And it just kind of lets you know the type of dude it, that he is. And a lot of other people that have come on this show as well, people I've never met before. So shout out to Brian, man. Make sure y'all check him out, man. Good people. And we want to make sure we celebrate and give good people uh, their flowers when they're here you know what i'm saying so hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation if you're a wrestling fan i'm sure you're excited about wrestlemania and if you're just looking for something to binge man definitely check out dark side of the ring all right speaking of binging it brings us to our final quarter this week the one netflix show or docuseries i should say that has the entire world of us it's our fourth topic this week. fourth quarter like many of you Two weeks ago, I had no idea of anything called, related to, or in association with the Tiger King. I had never, it wasn't even close to being on my radar. But little by little, especially as this pandemic has raged and had us all locked inside of the home, I'm starting to hear these crazy descriptions of this docuseries on Netflix. And at first, I'm like, all right, man. I ain't paying this joint no mind. You understand? There's a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't seen yet. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I want to do that I'm going to effectively use my time. And I'm not just going to just randomly watch some crazy ass television show that I know nothing about. But little by little, man, it just kept on building and building and building until this weekend. I'm like, all right, you know what? Bet. Let me go check this joint out. Sunday morning, uh, Sunday morning, I believe, was the first time. I actually sat down and watched anything related to the Tiger King and Slim. That giant is so nuts. I'm watching this thing and I'm just thinking to myself, like, what in the world? Like, how did I? First off, I didn't know so many people had this type of fascination with big cats. You understand? Like, them giants to me is like, all right, whatever. There's a whole rack of animals that will kill my black ass. So I just try to avoid them. I have no desire to pet baby tigers and, and, and hold hands. Like, all this stuff. I'm, I'm just watching this giant and I'm like, oh, all of these people are nuts. All of them. And here's the thing. We all have been told never judge a book by its cover. All of them look insane. Every last one of them. 
So I'm watching the first episode. I'm like, man, what type of crazy ass trailer park trash is this, man? I'm about to, you know what I'm saying? But the, I was like, nah, let me go ahead and do it. Because there were too many people. I mean, too many people that I'm cool with who are like swearing by this show. And they got me at the very end of the first episode. It was like, okay. And then I'm watching the second episode and then it just goes completely to say it goes straight out of left field does it a disservice. This show is the dumbest, funniest, wildest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm watching this giant laughing. Half of me just has my jaw all the way open. Another part of me is looking like, yo, what? And then they get to the joint where the old girl killed her husband. <laughs> Dog, if you have not seen this show, let me tell you. You have lions and tigers. In fact, some people breed their lions and tigers. You have a attempted murder. You have a suicide. You have a missing persons. Slim, you have someone get mauled. You have toothless bamas hooked on meth. You have a gay <laughs> uh, tiger king who apparently is marrying men who then later say that they're not gay, which makes no sense. And you have, and then you have the feds. I, I just. I mean, I think it just, you have a presidential race. <laughs> Dog, none of it makes sense. None of it. And it makes perfect sense in the context of American society in 2020. Slim, let me also say this. Last year, y'all remember what happened, right? It was Bird Box. Nobody had ever heard a damn thing about Bird Box. And around this time in 2019, Everybody all of a sudden start talking about Bird Box, right? Bird Box this, Bird Box that. And look at our asses now. A year later, we can't go outside. Just like in Bird Box. Slim, if next year in 2021, it's the Tiger Revolution, I'm kicking all y'all asses, Joe. <laughs> Is there, like this type of stuff, I don't even understand. Where did it come from? Who was the first bomber to be like, yo, y'all need to check out Tiger King? Why? Who hurt... Who was the person who heard of this joint? Dog, there's an arson. Seriously. And just think of anything that is so outlandish, so bizarre, so ridiculous, and then throw it in the pot. Because I'm sure you have a very good chance of seeing what you have came up in your mind in this docuseries. This joint is nuts. And the idea that these type of people actually exist is even scarier. This joint was real, bro. I'm thinking to my, at every turn. I'm like, okay, this joint can't get crazier. It absolutely gets crazier. And you just think it's, I'm just like, yo, how did this come about? It is that, matter of fact, if I comes to find out one of the guys who uh, he had all his stuff, I forget his name. He was the, um, the journalist, the guy who was actually documenting uh, Joe Exotic. That's the guy's name. <laughs> he was the dude who was documenting all of this stuff and then later had all this footage uh, burned. Apparently, my guy Michael Jenkins, his first job was working underneath this dude. In you know, first job in the media was working underneath this guy. 
which just makes it all nuts, Joe. The Tiger King. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't even know. There are literally no words. It's fun. There's some moments that are pretty sad. But overall, it's a fun kind of journey into the wildest part of America. And oddly enough, there is no one that you root for. You know what I'm saying? It's like anytime I'm watching television on any show, there are people who like, you know, you're kind of pulling for it. You're rooting for it, for a lack of a better term. Every single person, with the exception of one dude, Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic's only friend, essentially. This Bama has no legs, and it's not because of a tiger incident or a lion incident. It's because he was ziplining. Yeah. He's the only dude who stood tall. Slim, this guy, Joe Exotic, went on trial, and everybody gave him up. I'm talking about all his folk, even his husband or ex-husband. I don't. Polygamies in the straight, bro. Everything you can think about, this thing is insane, insane, and it has taken the country by storm. I don't know what is the next thing that Netflix pulls out of this its hat, cause Slim, they've been again. I never Bird Box just came and took everything by storm last year, and that's exactly what this. The Tiger King is doing like, you know, certain things that are very popular on Netflix. It makes sense, right? The Aaron Hernandez story. So NFL player who committed murder. Maybe it murdered two multiple people. You know what I'm saying? It was like, and he's on one of the biggest, most uh, notable franchises in all of professional sports. So like when that took off, that made sense. You know what I'm saying? There's certain things that happen on Netflix. that you Okay. I get why that's popular. The Tiger King? <laughs> Bro. Dead ass. If you see, you know how you watch those clips from India and they got the monkeys just running all over the place and stealing from mamas and, you know what I'm saying? Some, I think some people said that there are some reports that the monkeys have guns. Like some of them and they know how to pull the trigger. Dog, if next year at this time tigers are just roaming the streets and like trying to bust in Bama's homes, slim. I know exactly where I'm headed to. Once I know this journey's locked down, we had the Netflix headquarters whooping everybody's ass. I don't know what's going on. Bird Box came through last year saying, yo, don't go outside or you're dead. Here we are now, governors, mayors of DC saying, don't go outside. They took outside from us. <laughs> yo. If you haven't checked it out, I suggest do it. It's crazy. It's crazy as all hell, but it is John Foreman. Or not informative. What? No. It's not informative at all. It's crazy as hell, but it's entertaining also. All right, guys. That's my show for this week. Once again, I want to thank Brian H. Waters for joining me. And also, of course, thanking each and every one of you all as well for rocking with me for another hour or so this week make sure you head on over to apple podcast itunes spotify stitcher google play or wherever else you listen to podcasts leave me a review write a little sentence let me let your friends let the whole world know why you like the quarterly report podcast and i will see you right back here next tuesday for another episode of the quarterly report <laughs>